time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Good. Well, uh, open up your Bibles to Luke 15. We're going to dive into the Bible for just a few minutes before we dance. And so we will have a little Bible before we dance tonight. A lot of announcements coming your way. Next week, everybody say Thorn. Good. Next week is the Thorn. And so we'll be in section 11. It is free to you now on Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. It costs money. Say money. All right. But on Wednesday night, it's free for you. All right. So you need to be here. Bring your, hey, shh. All right. Bring your friends. Uh, Anybody that you know, it's guaranteed to be an excellent night. So make sure and be here. And then the following week, we'll start our new series. It'll be a five-week series. And we'll start in a series on the Holy Spirit. We're calling it Supernatural, Supernatural, all right? So, yeah, it's going to be good. All right, um, Luke chapter 15, if you've got your Bibles, we'll be there in a minute. It'll take me a while to get there. I've got four kids. Uh, my, my oldest son is Dawson. He's six. And uh, Dawson's close to perfect. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I believe in original sin, but this kid, I mean, somehow, I don't know. I'm not sure he got some. This kid's awesome. He's my, he's my boy. My pride and joy. Uh, then I've got a little girl named Olivia. She's five. And uh, she's a princess. She's extremely feminine. You know, real girly. Love my little girl, Olivia. Then I have a three-year-old named Adeline Grace. We call her Addie Grace, Grace, Grace. And um, she's got blonde, curly hair. She's, she's super cute. She looks a lot like her dad. And uh, short and blonde and chubby. And um, I respect her a lot. Uh, and then today is my son's birthday, Justice. He's one year old today. And so, yeah. And so uh, now, but, but the intriguing thing is, is, is as, much, as, as proud as I am of all of them and as, as much as I love all of them, the intriguing thing to me is that as a father, I, I, I delight in them and I love them, but you got to know they're, they're far from perfect, you know? I mean, Dawson's, Dawson's close, but he's got some imperfections. In fact, one of, one of the things that's a little rough with Doss is he hates chores. And so when it's time to do, you know, like clean up the house, he just, he's really slow. And one time when I was talking to him and I was encouraging him to go faster, he looked at me and he said, but dad, going slow is one of my skills. <laughs> and, so, and so, and some of you have that skill, all right? Uh, even my brother has that skill. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. All right. And then, but then, and then my little girl, Olivia, she's, 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 she's incredible. I mean, she's the delight of my heart, but she's not, she's not perfect. Actually, we, we, right now we have them in swim lessons and, and Olivia is, is just not quite got the desire to swim strong. She's really only five, but she's trying to demonstrate that she's a princess while she's swimming. So when it's time to swim, she doesn't really do this. She does. And she's looking to see if anybody is watching her. And you kind of encourage her to live. No, you got to keep the motion. You got to stay above water. And she's waiting for the lady to hold her. And she's like, Dawson, can you see me? I mean, she's just, 
We've got to work on this. She really likes to be seen right now. It's kind of hard. My little girl, my little girl, Addie, she's, 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 she's kind of, she's perfect, but she's, she's not quite perfect yet. She, she's, uh, she doesn't want to grow up, which is an intriguing thing to me because when, when it came to potty training, she didn't want to be potty trained, which was a problem for a parent. And so one time I looked at her, I said, Adeline, don't you want to be potty trained? Don't you want to get big? And she said, no, daddy, I just want to be your talking baby. And, and uh. And there just wasn't this desire to, to grow in terms of maturing. My boy, Justice. Now, when Dawson turned one, Dawson, at age one, he could walk. And so I was like, dude, that, the guy's headed for the NBA. It's in the genes. And uh, I, for, I, I don't know if, I mean, for a one-year-old to be able to walk, you know, that's pretty good. And so my boy, Justice, he's, he's not quite walking yet. And so I tried you know, recently to get him to walk and he didn't do it. And so, hey, shh, guys, shh, quiet. And so I, I, and so I was trying to get him to, uh, to walk. And so I, I, st- I set him down and he started stumbling a little bit. And so I was just so annoyed with him. I just kicked him and said, Justice, no, of course not. Of course not. I'd never kick my boy, right? The intriguing thing is this. Hey, guys. The intriguing thing is this. For most of us, as we, as, we, as we walk through life and as we commit to be sons and daughters of God, as we commit to having a relationship with God, one of the things in our journey, in our process, as we walk through this, is it's very easy for us to feel like we got to be perfect for our Father to accept us. And there's this desire, this thought, sometimes this misperception that if I'm not perfect, I'm going to get kicked. If I'm not perfect, God's going to be annoyed. God's going to be a little bit ticked. God's going to be a little bit frustrated. And in, our, in, our, in, in your journey with God, I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know if you've ever believed the moment where you sin or the moment where you fall short of what God has called you to be and to live like. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's easy for us to feel like if I'm not, if I'm not, if I'm not the, perfect, the perfect specimen of what I think I ought to be, if, if I don't listen to, you know, Nico worship every day, and if I don't, if I don't stop Googling my name, and if I, if, I, if, I, if I don't, you know, stop putting a verse every Facebook status, you know, like I gotta have, I, I, I messed up unless I have this one big, if I look like the squeaky perfect Christian, and a lot of times, many of us, when we fall short of that, we think surely God's angry. God's bugged by me. God's annoyed by me. And so sometimes we think, well, surely God delights in those people around us. Maybe if, if I was in Burn, or maybe the kid who's Mr. Sexually Pure, or maybe the kid who, who memorizes all the verses, or maybe this kid over here who's got his hands raised and worships God, and, and maybe God could love them, but, but surely because of where I'm at, God couldn't delight in me. And I don't know where you're at in your journey with God. I think that for many in the room here tonight, you're just beginning your journey in your relationship with Jesus. But I want to read to you out of Luke 15 because Jesus tells a story. And it's a story about a father who delights in his son even when his son has many imperfections. 
So if you're in Luke 15, we're going to go there. And Luke 15, verse 11, it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a different, different country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his, fe- to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, he went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Picture this. His father saw him. <clears throat> his father was filled with compassion. His father ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe. And put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatting calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. is alive again. He was lost. And now he's found. So they began to celebrate. So the intriguing thing in this story is here is, in, 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 even in this Jewish culture, this was a common story. But the, the story that was told in Jewish culture was that the father would bring vindication against his son. And Jesus flips the story and Jesus tells a story. And rather than a father say, bringing the hammer down, Jesus tells a story about a father who has the opposite response. And in so doing, Jesus tells us about what God is like. And if you want to know what God is like, you look at the face of Jesus. Every time you wonder, what is God like, we look at Jesus. And sometimes we kind of get all these different views from different people of what people say that God is like. But if you want to know the character of what God is like, look at Jesus. And Jesus tells a story. He flips the traditional Jewish story on its head. And he explains it. No, it's not a father that embarrasses his son. It's not a father that brings vindication and, and, and demonstrates to all his friends, let's have a party and, and harass my son. Let's show how bad he is. Instead, he flips it. And in his honor, he says, because you're my son, I'm going to run to you. I'm going to hug you. I'm going to have compassion, kiss you, put a robe on you, put a ring on your finger, kill the fatted calf. Why? Why? Because at the core, this isn't so much about the fact that you made a really knucklehead decision. This is about me. This is about how much I delight in you. This is about how much I love you. And one of the reasons why in our generation, we have so many of our friends that are lackluster in their approach to God, that walk away from God, is they think that God is mad at them. They need to, they need to, they need to make it to a certain level of demonstrating righteousness. And if they don't, that God wants to make an embarrassment of them 
God's mad at them. God wants to hurt them. God wants to crush them. God wants to shame them. God's embarrassed of them. God's annoyed by them. And tonight, I just want to drill in this idea for you that if me as a human father, if it's possible for me to delight in sons and daughters, even while they're in the process of maturing, even while in the, in the process of growing, imagine how much more your father, your heavenly father, loves you, delights in you, puts a ring on your finger, hugs you, kisses you, embraces you while you're in the process of becoming like him, of maturing, of becoming a son and a daughter. And unquestionably, every single one of us, every one of you in this room, not one person in here has reached a state of perfection. Not one of you. All of us are in the process of desiring to say we want to be like Jesus, we want to look like Jesus, we want Jesus to be our Lord, we want to follow him, we love him. But let me tell you the motivation, the thing that will keep you coming back to him after you fall short. It's this conviction that he's running to you after you've left, fed yourself with pigs, embarrassed him. And if in those moments you have a conviction, if I go back to my father, he's going to embrace me, you will run back to him every time. If you believe he's mad at you and he's ticked at you and he wants to kick you, he's annoyed by you, he's irritated by you, it's tempting to stay feeding the pigs, to stay out in sin, to stay out just doing what everybody else does. Because if I go back to the prayer meeting and get on my face before God, but God's probably a little bit annoyed with me. God probably wants to crush me. But when we read the scriptures... First John says that God loves us. It says that we love him in First John 4. It says we love him because he first loved us. He delights in you. He loves you. And if there's a core conviction that we want DSM to believe and to know, the core convictions that you hold in your heart form who you are. They form who you are. And so when you get down to your core, when you push everything else out, what do you believe to be true about God? My desire is that you would believe at your core above all else that God is love and that God loves you. And if you believe that and if you see that and if the scriptures are real to you rather than a theoretical story, but you've prayed them and you've walked with them and you've meditated on them and you can say them, you will live running back to God all of your days. You can be 50 years old and slander and sin and be broken about it and run back to God rather than being the 50-year-old that just gives up, goes, buys a boat, lives out and does their thing and kind of annoyed with the God thing. Tried it, did it in my 20s. Did it in my 30s, but you know, I'm not really into church. It's an epidemic. It's an epidemic in America. Why? Because there's a false view of God. It all comes back to what your view of God is. So DSM, tonight, I want you to lock in with this. The Father, the God of the ages, the one who loves so much that he sent his son, loves you while you're in the process of becoming holy, while you're in the process of becoming his completely with all that you are, while you're in the process. And if you believe that, 
And if you want, if you, if, if, you, if you drench yourself in it, if you meditate on it, if you pray on it, you will start to grow more and more in love with him. Number one way you will grow more in love with God is not to prove to God, I love you by my action. It is to live in the knowledge of how much he loves you and over time your action will meditate, will start to demonstrate that you love him back. When we look at Jesus, we see this in Jesus. We see Jesus loving guys that were willing even though they were imperfect. We see him looking at a guy who's wealthy, a tax collector. Nobody liked him, but he demonstrated, I want God, I want to see Jesus he ran and, cl- and climbed the little sycamore tree. Remember who that is? What's his name? Zacchaeus. And Jesus looks at that, and Jesus delights in that. Jesus goes, I love that. I reward that. Jesus did it with Nicodemus, a religious man. Jesus does it with the thief on the cross. You talk about a guy who's messed up. You talk about a guy who hasn't had any, any level of righteous living yet. And yet Jesus says... Today you'll be with me in paradise. Why? Because there's a turning in his heart that says, man, I may be broken, I may be messed up, I may, I, may, I may have a lot of sin in my life, but I want Jesus, I want God. Tonight, I don't care how messed up you are. I don't care what addictions you have. I don't care how, how, how messed up your family is. I don't care how many times you've fallen short in the spiritual disciplines. I don't care how much you hide your faith at school. No matter any of, any, any of those things, there is a God who tonight wants to speak over you. I love you. I delight in you. This is the good news of the gospel. And we don't use that as a license to try to get away with sin. It's the opposite. We're undone by the reality of his love for us. And we go, because you love me so much, I want to, demonst- I want to love you back and demonstrate it with my life. Does that make sense? And so tonight, I just want to pray over DSM. I believe this is a core value of who we are. We want to be we want to be a tribe of teenagers that, that meditate on the love of God, know the love of God, come back to it over and over and over and over again. My prayer is that every person that graduates from DSM has this idea so in them that they can preach it. They can say it. It's so alive in them. Because you're going to need it all the days of your life. You're going to need it when you're 30 and when you're 40. You're going to need it when... when it, feels like you didn't attain to what you had hoped to attain to. Number one core conviction. He loves me. He delights in me. He's a father. And he runs to me. He has compassion. He hugs his son. In Jewish culture, it was, a dem- it was, it was not a statement of, uh, of being regal to run. It was a statement of being a, a, a little bit nuts, a little bit crazy. Mature men didn't run. And yet Jesus tells a story of a father that runs, that, if you will, humbles himself, which is the gospel. That is what Jesus does when he humbles himself and becomes a man. It's God connecting with us, loving us, so desiring you that he sacrifices So I don't know tonight if you're struggling with 
uh, anger. I don't know if you feel like you can't be close to God because of bitterness. I don't know if you felt like you can't be close to God because of some kind of immorality. I don't know if you feel like you can't be close to God because your family is so messed up or your friends, no one likes you. I don't know what your story is, but I want to pray for a revelation of God delighting in you tonight. Nico, if you would join me, and I'd like to invite you to stand. I want to invite you guys all to, uh, any of you that want to, I want to pray for you, uh, that you would just live in this reality, that the love of God would be your story, that you would find him delighting in you, even while you're in the process of maturing, even while you're in the process of growing. That's you tonight. Will you come forward? And I just want to pray over you. We're going to take the next few minutes just to pray over you, okay? So go ahead and uh, come forward right now. Let me pray for you. That's good. That's good. It's kind of hard to take you seriously, but I am. All these nerds coming forward. That's good. That's good. Tonight, you need God to speak over you. Romans 5, 5, it says that the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God into our hearts. You want God to touch you tonight by speaking his love over you. I want you to come forward. Anybody else? It's good. It's going to wait. Is there anybody else? All right, those of you that uh, are in your chairs, will you just stretch out your hands over these and let's just ask God to touch them tonight. You guys down front, will you just hold out your hands like this and pray over you. Father, our whole lives, our whole lives are about living in the love of God. Holy Spirit, I pray for every man Every woman that's down here tonight. Pray, Lord Jesus. You would, like the story goes, run to them, hug them, kiss them and hold them and demonstrate that you delight in them. God, I pray for those that feel so far from you, like you're so far. draw near to them. Come. God, for those that are living in an addiction, that feel like surely God is so angry at me. Surely I can never be close to him and be in that embrace like the story in Luke 15. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help them, that you would lift their faces, that you would lock eyes with them, Speak your love over them and your delight over them tonight. Come, God. I pray for the young ladies that 
tonight need to find identity in a father that delights in them no matter, no matter their performance. I pray for the young men that feel like they've gone too far, they've done too much, they're too distant. like to encourage you guys down here just take a minute just between you and God I'm going to give you 30 seconds I just want whatever's in your heart I just want you to pray to God your prayer whatever's in your heart thank you for these sons and daughters God I pray Lord Jesus that you would fill them tonight with confidence that you love them they live in the reality of your love would it be their core conviction their story their testimony they are, lo- they are loved without perfection even in brokenness even in weakness, even when they lack, you love them. You love them. In Jesus' name, amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.